0: back to yet another episode of why will No and date these guys with Naomi guy and
1: Joel guy. I Perfect. think I know the answer and the answer is we're really bad at audio. No, we just spent 20 minutes first sitting in silence <laughs> waiting for the other person to be ready without realizing we were both ready. And then Naomi's microphone wasn't working. It was a red LED instead of a green one, and it was muted on the audio recording. All I had and to had do, to do press was press a, a button. Research, <laughs> and then all she had to do was press a button to unmute it, and I kind of slapped <laughs> my forehead and exasperatedly groaned. And then we started recording <laughs> while wow, Naomi poured drinks, and it wasn't actually recording both audio tracks. It's been a morning, y'all. You know what? <laughs> it's only like
0: 9.45 in the morning.
1: We're both tired. We've been working hard this week. I think that's fair. Before we get into details on that, uh, we are a podcast on sex, love, and relationships among the millennials, zoomers, and Gen Alpha, which I guess they're like no, a year old. No,
0: no, no. The whole point of this podcast was for me to be the zoomer perspective, you to be the millennial perspective. Do we need to bring in a third Gen Alpha?
1: We need to bring in like a five year old. Yeah, exactly. Naomi, let's try a drink for the day. Ooh. Not I don't as mind good that. as the other one.
0: Yeah. What flavor is this?
1: We are drinking Trader Joe's Via Italia Italian Grapefruit Soda. Tastes like grapefruit, red grapefruit. Not bad at all. Yeah. Very pleasant. But um, the other one we tried, it was.
0: I feel like it had tangerine. more flavor.
1: Yeah. yeah. I mean, I like grapefruit juice, but mm, I don't know. I just don't like it as much it's as It's like the
0: other a one. tiny step up from a Lacroix. That's mm. what I think it is. Like it's sparkling. But it like doesn't have enough flavor to it.
1: This would be good in like a like a cocktail. It's the base of a fancy cocktail.
0: I'm waiting for the little lemon little to kick in.
1: <laughs> Thank you, Naomi. That's my line. um Naomi, anything exciting happened in your life this week?
0: um well, I'm going to go meet um my special man friend's family this weekend, Ooh. yeah. Um, we're going to go to San Diego and do that. Just like a quick two day trip. I've been working like most of this week nannying because I got a new job. So that's been exhausting. Joel, what's up with you this week?
1: Uh, for 13 to 14 hour days, not pleasant, kind of hate it. Um, boy, it takes a lot out of me and I have so much respect for people who work 60 plus hours a week and keep it all together uh yeah no, it kind of sucks don't. <laughs> they especially because my schedule this week was 5 a.m to 6 I mean hypothetically I ended at 6 I was leaving at 7:30 a couple of days um yeah it's uh it's frustrating because you get home and you really don't feel like doing anything but sleeping and uh yeah I can't do much in terms of personal life when that's the case especially when you're trying to get holiday shopping and last minute stuff done
0: oh my god the holidays are coming
1: Y- yes, this is. I thought a holiday themed episode, given the seasonality <laughs> of the topic. Call no, like you know,
0: like it's coming because like it's December, right? And then it just like so.
1: I've been told it,
0: it just comes so quickly, and it's the seventeenth, and it just it's just here. You know what I mean?
1: Fair enough. Fair enough.
0: Joel, what are we talking about today?
1: Um, I wanted to talk about relationship goals. Hashtag relationship goals. <laughs> uh, hashtag, hashtag date these guys. Wait,
0: what was that? It was like. It, w- it was, like, one true pairing, OTP. Do you remember that? No. Okay, so when, um like, in the early days of social media, in the early days of me being on social media, mm. it was, like, Instagrams, so like, 2013, 2014, there was hashtag OTP, which was one true pairing. So it's kind of, like, your soulmate. So it's, like, a bunch of, like, social media influencers that, like, got with their, like, significant other, and they'd say hashtag OTP. Mm-hmm. So... I don't
1: know why I brought that up. I I couldn't tell you either. If this is the type of content you uh, subscribe to our podcast for, please let us know in the comment section. We really need some feedback. Um, for all we know, you're here. Okay, let's back up a second. Before we get into the topic, yeah. I was looking at some stats for analytics this week. Yeah. I got to say, we, the top three episodes we have in terms of most listens are our intro episode, yeah. which is that very like quick, hey guys, we're doing the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, the second, I think, is your introduction where you talk about what you're looking for. So there's a lot of, like, perverts out there <laughs> who are trying to get in your good graces. <laughs> and the third episode, which really hits home that there's a bunch of perverts out there, is our sex, work, and prostitution episode. It
0: really is?
1: Yeah. By, like, I, I would say there's, like, 30% more views on those episodes than any other I episode. thought
0: Consent was our top episode.
1: Uh, Maybe it used to be.
0: I really liked our Consent episode. If you haven't listened to it already, go listen to our Consent episode.
1: Yeah. Our, our Sex Ed episodes do not make numbers. Um, Um, We think they're important, but I don't think anyone's subscribed. They're here to listen to our Dirty Laundry. For that matter, neither do our current events (laughs) episodes, so maybe we need to move away from those in the future. Unclear. Um, But yes, today I want to talk about relationship goals and what did I mean by that exactly? Um, It's my belief, and you can feel free to chime in if you disagree, that healthy relationships have individuals within them that experience personal growth and don't stagnate. Um, And that's a very loaded phrase because, like, obviously there's situations where you have a relationship and, like, one partner gets cancer or whatever and the other partner, like... Look, I know you're giving me a look, but, like, one partner, (laughs) like, has to take care of them. Yeah. They don't have an opportunity to grow and improve. And that's, like, perfectly understandable. But I think a lot of people in, like, what you might consider the average relationship are like, you know, I've done my dues. You know, I've been an interesting, compelling person. And now, you know, I've finally managed to hook a partner, I no longer have to continue being interesting and compelling. And I think that's really where relationship stagnation comes in. And there's a lot of reasons this can occur. You know, it can be laziness. It can be like you grow and get new jobs and it prevents you from doing as much as you used to out in the community. It could be that, you know, your personal tastes change over time and, uh, you know, you you decide you no longer care about art or travel or whatever it is you used to do that made you happy. But I, I do think that people tend to do less things as they get older. That's a general trend that I've noticed. And I also have noticed if you read the stats on like happiness and relationships, some of the happiest people are those who have been in a relationship for a while and have seen personal growth from their partner and grown along with them. So it's my personal opinion, correct me if I'm wrong, that it is important in a relationship to set goals for improvement. And given that the New Year's is coming up, I thought it was worth talking about personal goals we have as well as relationship goals we have. Does that make sense?
0: I, like, understand what you're saying. Um, I do think that you're correct that, like, there's stagnation in relationships and it doesn't always create the best atmosphere for, like, two people working towards... Like, I think... Okay, my personal belief is... That two people come together and, like, have a romantic, like, relationship, a friendship, a, um, like, all these things combined, not just, like, individually. Um, And they're working towards, like, being the, like, and bettering themselves all the time. Um, I think that toxic relationships are kind of, like, depending on the other person.
1: Absolutely, yeah.
0: And, like, depending on them for their happiness, depending on the other person to, like, Um, motivate them Mm -hmm. I think that it's a good idea to like be with someone that like motivates you but you can't get all of your motivation from the other person so um, I understand what you're saying but I also think that um, there it's not always completely possible to be consistently changing and um, getting out of ruts and because like sometimes people there's mental illnesses and there's um, financial hardships there's family situations stuff like that um, and I don't think that it's completely always possible. Um,
1: yeah, I get what you're saying, but but simultaneously, I'm, I'm not trying to create a guide that covers every situation. I don't think our dating advice applies to every situation. <laughs> um, and, and I think you know it's important to provide insights that work for people who are in like emotionally like solid relationships right now. Yeah. Um, like, we can also do guides that are like, hey, you know, if you're having mental health crises or whatever, you know, here's what you can do. But I don't know how helpful that is because, like, obviously there's a lot that goes into mental health care. Yeah. And there's there's a lot that, that we can't easily unpack in an hour-long podcast episode. So assuming that you are mentally well, that you are financially secure, even not necessarily because a lot of things we're going to talk about don't require money in this episode, um, I, I, I think this will be useful for living a a happy life with your potential future long-term partner. So um, I did want to talk a little bit about the common mistakes that lead to boredom in a relationship. There was an article in Bustle by Carolyn Stepper from May 19th, 2021, uh, where she cites a number of therapists and doctors uh, talking about some of the things they've noticed that lead to boredom. And I want you to notice if there's any common themes here. I think there's a common theme, at least one. Maybe you notice more or you disagree with my assessment. So number one is you only have surface level conversations. Um, Couples talk about the day, the weather and what they did at work, but never go any deeper than that. Um, according to therapist Cohen, it's a, ther- a habit that can easily create a sense of disconnect and even boredom because you're never talking about anything new. If you've fallen into this rut, it'll help to ask each other more open-ended questions as a way to have conversations about meaningful issues and topics you haven't necessarily covered before. While well, you can't expect to get deep and philosophical every single day, you can prevent boredom by having better convos on a more regular basis. Number two would be stop making an effort. Another common mistake is thinking a relationship will naturally continue in a positive direction. The truth is that all relationships take consistent work and input to remain vital and satisfying. Rafi Bielek, a relationship counselor and director of Baltimore Therapy Center, says, Even if you're happy, you can't sit back and coast. Instead, it's important to invest energy into each other by talking more, supporting each other, and checking in. Do these things and help your relationship stay fulfilling and happy. Any disagreements so far? Both of those things seem pretty obvious to me. Yeah, yeah. Number three, you put off personal goals. Of course, while investing in a relationship takes a lot of time and energy, it doesn't mean you should forget about or put off your personal goals. In fact, if you're not pushing for the kind of life you want to live, you will get bored, Dr. Josh Klapauer, clinical psychologist, tells Bustle. Do you want to go to grad school? Write a book? Travel more often? Don't forget about your goals just because you have a partner. If you have something you're working towards, it'll help keep life interesting, and that will in turn keep your relationship interesting. I think that's important too because like if your partner is deeply opposed to you pursuing your goals I think that's a that like could be a such a red, red flag. flag. Yeah. Now, I think there could be situations where someone's like I want to travel and their version of travel is Spending their life savings and depleting their accounts, and yeah. uh, I can understand if a partner would want to push back. But in general, if you you know casually bring up to your partner, "Hey, I'm thinking going back to you know night school, taking some classes." Hey, I'm going to go do some art with some friends. Yeah. Hey, you know I'm going to start hiking more in the coming year, and they're like deeply discouraging of that. That can mean they don't want you to improve and be happy.
0: Okay, reverse the roles. I've also seen one person pushing the other to do more, mm-hmm. and the person. Um, and, and person A pushing person B to do something more, but person B resisting and saying, no, I need to put more time and effort into the relationship.
1: I don't know what that means. What does that mean to you?
0: Okay, so I've seen this like among my friends. They think that like their relationship is going to go like super far and like they're going to get married and they're going to have children together. So they're like, obviously, I'm going to put off my personal goals because this is my first priority. Marrying this person, having children with this person is my first priority. What's so fun? I'm going to go out of my way to make sure that my personal goals happen later in life if they ever happen. And um, I'm going to put this relationship first and foremost in my mind. Oh, man. Yeah.
1: I I don't know how I feel about that. I mean, I do know how I feel about that, and I don't like that. Yeah. But, like, I, I can understand the intention there. It, I don't know. My, my perspective is this. Um, it doesn't hurt having a backup plan. and no, that sounds, it never yeah, does. It, that sounds bad, but, like, people change over time. Yeah. We've discussed this. You know, even people's, like, sexualities can sometimes alter over time. So, like... The odds are not bulletproof. The odds are not 100% you're going to remain in a committed relationship with one person your entire life. Sorry, that's just the way things work out. Uh, it's totally possible you go years before realizing there's something fundamentally incompatible with another person. Yeah. You know, maybe you didn't want to have kids or you really, really wanted to have kids. Maybe your idea of handling finances was completely different than the other person. Maybe you wanted to live closer to your parents and they wanted to live in Hawaii, right? Like there are some big things that need to be worked out. And I think a lot of like strong relationships can work through these things and sacrifices can be made. But again, the idea that you would put all of your energy, all your colloquial eggs in one basket. And
0: you're saying it as if they need a backup plan. I don't even think it needs to be a backup plan. Like you should be an individual. You shouldn't be a couple first. You should be an individual in the relationship in order to have your, like get the most out of yourself and then go into the relationship. That's my... Like fundamental thoughts about relationships yeah,
1: I, I see what you're saying, and, and i don't again that 's kind of where my, my mind is at the same time though i 'm skeptical of anybody pushing kind of an individualist philosophy. Um, I think more and more what the world needs is people who are constantly looking out for each other and doing things for their the groups of people they care about in their community um, and and often. A lot of people who don't want changes made in the world, who don't want people to be happy and secure, push an individualist philosophy. So you think you have to be responsible for everything and can't ever rely on people. What I think I there's s- a middle ground. I think there's a middle. I ground. think
0: there is too. And what I'm trying to say is, you don't need an individualist like ideology about like everything in your life, literally just relationships, to ensure that you are making sure that you are okay first. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, I can agree with that. We, we've
1: discussed this before, and like. You're going to run into situations where someone's like if you leave me I will kill myself. Yep. And that's fucked up. That's a deeply fucked up for that person to say. And ultimately I would say if you're in that situation you should leave because they're using manipulation to get what they want and you can't be responsible for the happiness and or life outcomes of others. You can do your utmost. You can try real real hard, but yeah. But put, it's going to take more out of you than yeah, you're going to get Put your out mask of. on first when the the oxygen exactly. things turned Exactly. Okay, so other things that make relationships boring. You do literally everything together. Um, Loving your partner and wanting to spend every day with them is good, but that doesn't mean you should make an effort, you shouldn't make an effort to peel yourself apart and do your own thing, even if it means sitting at home alone. When you spend the vast majority of that time with one person, it's easy to get tired of being with them, Jonathan Bennett, a certified counselor and co-founder of Double Trust Dating says. If you take some time apart, you'll appreciate the time you do spend with your partner more. Number six, you don't hang out often enough. Of course, it all depends on your personal situation, but if you've been feeling bored in your relationship, it may also be a sign you aren't doing enough together. And that's where things like shared hobbies come into play. A good remedy might be taking turns doing something the other person enjoys. Williamson says you get to enjoy the partner and their element, and they may even find something new that you enjoy. Number seven, you don't talk about your feelings. Maybe tempting to hide the fact you're having a bad day. Maybe because you seem too busy to, uh, maybe because you seem too busy to talk, or afraid your partner doesn't want to hear it, or because you want to seem easygoing. That's yet another mistake that can lead to detachment and boredom over time. When we are vulnerable with others, we create a deeper bond with them, especially if they respond in invalidating to us opening up, Williamson says. So work on opening up more often, not only to get things off your chest, but to feel closer and more connected to your partner. If it's a struggle, chat with your therapist about why you don't want to share. You may find that, once you're practiced opening up, your relationship feels brand new. I'll skip through the last couple of these. They, I, I don't think are two different. Number eight is you always go going to the same places, like a coffee shop or favorite restaurant. Number nine is you never argue. Um, don't know how I feel about that, but th- the argument there is you should be able to speak your mind. You shouldn't let stuff fester. You should have discussions about things. Uh, number ten is you stop flirting with each other. Stop being playful. Stop doing the things that maybe you initially attracted the other person to in the first place. Number eleven, you forget to go on dates. Having variety and fun. Number twelve, you ignore each other, not checking in and feeling present. Number thirteen, you expect the boredom to go away. Number fourteen, you don't address hurt feelings. Number fifteen, you expect the honeymoon phase to last forever. And sixteen, you don't listen to each other. So I think a couple of those are similar, but the general theme that I saw is people like novelty, people like difference, people like changes to behavior. You know, uh, number one's about surface level conversations. Well. If you read more, if you do more stuff, you'll have more to talk about. You'll have, you know, more interesting things about the activities you do.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, number three, putting off personal goals. If you're working on yourself, there's going to be a lot you can, you know, talk about and share with your yeah. partner. Uh, same with hobbies and, you know, doing stuff for yourself, whether with them or with other people doing literally everything together. Well, that can be resolved by going off and, you know, doing a personal class, you know, going and doing yoga by yourself, going for long walks in the mountains, something like that.
0: I think that a big mistake that I see a lot of the time is like expecting that relationships are easy or like they're going to be good forever because that's what you see in like movies when the vast majority of the time it's like you see one fight in an entire movie Um And it's like, oh, they don't want to share their feelings with each other. But now uh, they're sharing them and they're like, well, this person, like they're not getting vulnerable, basically. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the movie, they're like, oh, happily ever after. But you don't see like maybe in 10 years they get a divorce or something. You know what I mean? So it's like kind of hard to like put these unrealistic expectations on your own relationships in real life if you don't know what happens like after the happily ever after. So um, I would say that like the biggest mistake that I see is you go into a relationship expecting this happily ever after and you guys are just fundamentally different. Or you go into a relationship and it's you don't you're not ready to be vulnerable. You're you're. you don't want to put in the work to a relationship. You're not um, addressing your hurt feelings. You know what I mean? You don't want to listen to the other person. You shouldn't be in a relationship if, like, the relationship is just based off of, for instance, attraction towards the other person.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think one of the biggest issues in media is there's a lot of things about relationships that can't easily be depicted. You know, if you have a movie that's a love story, it's going to use a lot of visual and storytelling shorthand to depict the love story. It's going to cut out a lot of the monotony you might say that comes in relationships. You know, a lot of the time it might be you two making dinner together in your kitchen. It might be you two sitting on the couch. One of you is reading a book. The other is, you know, on their phone. Um, it might be the two of you, you know, sitting in silence as you drive places to go do things like, like th- that, that seems obvious that, that that's a part of the relationship, but movies just cut all that out. Every single scene in a movie has to be them doing something exciting, you know, yeah. playing paintball at Coney Island. It's uh, them hiking <laughs> in the woods. It's them, you know, pretending that they're a couple and shopping for furniture at Ikea. It's always, you know, action and activities and excitement. And there's never any of the, the downtime that's less intense. And I think that a lot of the downtime's important. Like, you know, I mentioned that Uma Thurman scene in Pulp Fiction where she talks about the importance of silences and you can really care about someone if you're comfortable just being in the same room of them, not, you know, communicating and having a conversation. Um, and I think a lot of that's true. I don't know where I was going with this.
0: I don't know either, but you sounded really confident.
1: I appreciate that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so uh, again, I would say... Okay. Yeah. So, so movies of course have to adopt this, you know, visual and and storytelling shorthand in order to accomplish the goal of the audience being like, oh, they love each other. And I think that's very misleading because people who absorb this material think they want a relationship because the relationship is where you go have couple fun at Ikea, not a relationship is this combination of events, this combination of life activities, some of which will be more boring, some of which will be more exciting. But it does set unreasonable expectations about the experience they're going to have in a relationship. And I think people can quickly sour when they're like, oh, it's not all fun and excitement. I actually have to have tough conversations with people. I actually have to do things and plan things. I don't know. That's kind of where my head is at right now.
0: I agree with you.
1: Okay. Yeah. Um. I I think... One mistake that a lot of men make is, and I'm going to use this term and cause some controversy. Do it. Um, they leave the emotional labor to their their woman partner. I would this agree. This is for heterosexual relationships, but uh, if we haven't used the phrase emotional labor before. It's the idea that there is a lot of work that women do in heterosexual living arrangements. I'm sure this happens in homosexual living arrangements as well, but um, it's a little easier to identify the problem in a heterosexual setup. Where it's not just women do more chores around the house, it's also they have to kind of mentally keep track of so much more than men do. Yeah. Things like remembering when people's birthdays are, remembering to purchase gifts for individuals, scheduling events with friends to keep things together. Uh, and a lot of the time, the guys kind of off-source that responsibility to their partner.
0: Remembering where the milk is in the fridge.
1: Remembering where the milk is in the fridge. <laughs> Right, so like they kind of always have to be on and present throughout the year doing all these things while the guy can you know just forget about it, and so I would say, you know gentlemen, if you feel that your your relationship is stagnating and no longer is exciting, maybe plan more things yourself, maybe do more more things, uh, and I'm not just saying like events outside the house, I'm saying like within the house too, figure out if there's responsibilities you can take because it turns out if your partner has less like random bullshit to like worry about. <laughs> they might be able to spend more time with you. This is crazy. It might be more mentally present. That's wild. They might be wild. more interested in spending time with you, given that you're, you're proving yourself to be a competent individual. Call me crazy. So yeah, um, I, I do think boredom happens in relationships. I think that's like perfectly natural. I don't think that's something that people should feel bad about. But I do think that if that's the case, you need to think, you know, how can I kind of restore that level of excitement? How can I get you know, people more interested in me again? Um and, and the reason, I'm, like, I'm not just saying excitement. I'm not just saying like new things as if I think that's the panacea. There, there does appear to be scientific research that backs that up. Um, are you familiar with dopamine, Naomi?
0: I am familiar with dopamine. I have it in my body right now.
1: Do <laughs> You know how dopamine works.
0: Um, it's a chemical reaction.
1: Well, it's it's a chemical that's produced by your brain when you encounter. Um, new things and or pleasant sensations. And the idea is that your brain wants to train your body to do things your body likes. And so it'll release a pleasure chemical when your body does things that the brain thinks is important. Now, there's certain activities like you can do that the brain releases more or less dopamine for. And so there's like some things built into the human genome that it will, you know, cause pleasure to occur and one of the big things is novelty and research experiment after research experiment shows when people are exposed to novel stuff and by that I mean you know things they haven't seen before new, new images new songs new movies their brain releases more dopamine than to things they've already seen before now if you ever noticed that like when you first hear a song you really really like it's just an absolute banger and you can't stop playing it and after a couple of weeks, you're like, eh, not, not so much anymore. You still like it, but like not in the same way. Yeah. Yeah, and that's exactly why. Dopamine is released in smaller and smaller amounts after you've consumed the same thing over and over again. Your brain gets trained and no longer is like, oh, this is new and exciting. And I do feel relationships are very much the same way. Yeah. If you start doing the same thing over and over and over again, then things that initially brought you pleasure, you know, like hugging your partner, like you know, going out on a date to a fancy restaurant – may not bring the same amount of pleasure anymore. It's not going to feel as good for you mentally as it did the first time. And you will still, I think, have pleasant memories of that first time, but in the moment, you're going to be like, ah, I don't feel the same way I did. Do I still have the same feelings for this person that I did in the past? And again, I think this is a perfectly natural process, and the way of getting around that is by mixing things up. You know, if you're going out on dates, don't go to the same places over and over again. It's okay to have like favorite places, but definitely try to you know mix in something completely different every so often. If you really really like you know Chinese food, maybe try Indian food. Um, You know, maybe there's like a new food truck that's you know parked five miles away from you, and you decide to go walk to it. Um, Maybe you you know haven't seen a movie in the theaters for years, and you decide to go to a movie in the theaters, but you don't buy popcorn; you buy only raisinets.
0: Spider Man's out this week.
1: I could care less. It's. Uh,
0: I don't mind it.
1: You don't mind it? I don't mind it. I find it inoffensive. I, I guess what it represents is more concerning to me, this whole, like, Disney owns all media. <laughs> like, yeah. You, you can't really find any media that isn't, like, controlled by one of the top five media companies. And it's disappointing to me that so much smaller art is inaccessible or not being produced these days. Don't want to go off on a tangent, though.
0: I haven't been to a movie since... My nineteenth birthday.
1: I am trying to go with Lauren to licorice pizza in theaters. It's the newest Paul Thomas Anderson film. I love Paul Thomas Anderson. I, I greatly enjoy him. We have not seen a movie in theaters yet, so it'll be How
0: an long experience. has it been since you've seen a movie in theaters?
1: I wanna say I saw the the newest Tarantino film with my last roommate. Oh oh um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: It was okay. I thought it was one of the weaker films. Did
0: I see that in theater? Yeah. Wait, I take it back. I think it was, like, May of, no.
1: Well, here's, here's something interesting. No,
0: that's that's it, it
1: really, really felt like a Tarantino film, and I thought that was a weakness. And I'd argue dopamine might play a role there. Yeah. Because once, like, an, uh, once a, when a filmmaker does, like, something different the first time, everyone's like, oh, my God, I haven't seen anything like that yeah. before. Yeah. You know, when Pulp Fiction first came out and had these kind of skewed narratives and, like, actors having these long monologues about media and quarter pounders with cheese, yeah. that was exciting and oh, different. Oh, and feet. It was weird. Oh, and feet. Lots and lots yeah. of feet. <laughs> um, and, he, like, even the second or third time he made a movie that was similar to that, people were still like, this is different and weird. This director has a style. Tarantino is kind of cool. But after he's done that eight times in a row, you like... And
0: so many feet. And
1: so many feet. <laughs> you, 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 you kind of sour on. I think some people are still, like, very much, you know, up on that they're like oh this is good but I don't know for me I thought some of his most creative work was more like his first couple of films um I really like Jackie Brown which was like a rebooted commentary on black exploitation films um it, 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 no one's seen it I'm not pretending it's the greatest film in the world it's very flawed in a lot of ways but it was different enough that I was like this is creative and fun and I want to see more of yeah. this um but yeah to my point if, if you feel, you know, your relationship isn't doing so well, I, I think it's worth trying new stuff. And that brings us back to our main topic of the day, which is setting goals in the relationship. Ooh. Because again, I think one of the problems couples have is they're just like, I have a partner now. We don't need to really do anything together. We're clearly in love. We're always going to be in love. Yeah. That's never going to change. Um, and I think people change. That's the problem, right? Right. You, you, you don't spend 24-7 with your partner. You're out in the world. You're interacting with people. You're being exposed to new stuff. And I think it can be frustrating when you, you want to see different things from your partner. You want to see how they can grow and continue to thrive, and they, they just don't. Um, and so I think it's worth talking about you know, the types of goals that we're forming and how to form successful goals for yourself. So I do want to skip a little bit down, um, and I can't find where that is. I don't think I included that article in here. Um there's the something very end. novel that I should um do next year, which is uh
0: I think it's at the very, better.
1: End. very bad end.
0: I think that's what you're looking for.
1: That's not what I'm looking for. Okay, well I will <laughs> refind what I'm looking for right now. Uh what I'm looking for is the explanation of smart goals. Are you familiar with smart goals, Naomi?
0: I don't know what it's like a smart home, isn't it? But it's in goal. It's home. exactly
1: like a smart home. <laughs> Okay, so the idea is a lot of people set goals on an annual basis. Every year in December or maybe early January, they come up with a list of things that they want to do in the coming year. And often, more likely than not, they either forget about their goals or give up on them really quickly, you know, after a month or two. Yeah. Uh, There's a big surge in gym memberships at the beginning of the year. Oh, yeah. And all of a sudden, you know, that drops off. I don't know if that's going to be true with COVID, but, you know, we'll see. People seem to have thought we've gotten past COVID, which is, like, fundamentally untrue. But the idea is, if you want to have successful goals, you should structure them in a specific way. You should make them, quote-unquote, smart. And that is specific, uh, measurable, achievable, relevant, and time-bound, or time-oriented. Um, so what, is, what are SMART goals? Well, SMART is an acronym you can use to guide your goal setting. Its criteria are commonly attributed to Peter Drucker's Management by Objectives concept. The first known use of the term occurred in November 1981 in a fascinating issue of Management Review, by a George Duran. Since then, Professor Robert S. Rubin from St. Louis University has written about SMART in an article for the Society of Industrial and Organizational Psychology. He stated that SMART has come to mean different things for different people, as shown before. But the idea is, and this applies for your personal and professional life, if you structure your goals in this way, it's much more likely that you'll actually achieve them. And that's really important, because a lot of people have goals, a lot of people have dreams and aspirations that they just never actually reach at the end of their day. So what does it mean for a goal to be specific? Well, the goal should be simple. It should be sensible. It should be significant. Um, it needs to be something where if someone else were to hear it, they'd be like, oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. It shouldn't be like, I want to run more, right? Like, <laughs> that, that, that doesn't tell us much. What is more? Maybe you're already a marathoner. Maybe you already run Ironman. Does that mean you want to run 500 miles a day? Like, I, I, what exactly are you trying to What say? is more? So I would say if you're trying to make a goal that's specific, that involves around running, you should be like, I want to get to the point where I can run 10 miles in one stretch. People know exactly what you're talking about, right? It's, it's specific, it's simple, it's sensible, and it's significant. It's clear, you know, this is something people want to focus on. It's also measurable. Measurable meaning that it's something that you can quantify. It's not like, I want to be better at X, right? I want to be better at uh, love languages, what does that mean, Naomi? Tell me what you think that means.
0: I want to eat all the aphrodisiacs, and then I want to I I give someone a gift, and then I want to give Chocolate, someone a hug. Chocolate,
1: tomatoes, oysters, everything. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. So measurable should mean, you know, there's, there's some kind of measurement you can apply to it. It doesn't have to be, like, a number measurement. I'd say, you know, in terms of... Um, you know, fitness goals, it's really helpful to have like specific measurements. Like I want to go to the gym a hundred times. I want to run 10 miles. i want to lift 150 pounds in my, you know, overhead press. I, I think you can also have it measurable as measured by other people in your life. I want other people to think of me as a better partner. I want other people to, you know, compliment me for how I've grown as a parent. I want other people to, you know, um, say behind my back how much they you know are jealous of my relationship style i don't know Damn. like i would say that's not necessarily measurable unless other people are informing you but you can also understand how it could be measured
0: last week i was talking some mad shit about how you are such a great partner Damn.
1: <laughs> i hope people talk mad shit about how great i am as a partner um goals should also be achievable um they should be something that's actually attainable um Th- this can vary, but I think a lot of people are like, I'm going to lose 100 pounds this year. And if you look at all research about how much weight people lose, there's a tiny, tiny fraction of people who can lose that much weight. I mean, it helps if you weigh like 500 pounds to start. But well, <laughs> it does, it's a little bit easier as a percentage of your body weight. If you weigh 100 pounds, oh it can be lo- hard to lose 100 pounds. Okay, keep, what I'm going, keep going, keep
0: going, keep um,
1: going. But yeah, it needs to be achievable. Um, I think... It's good to, like, set early life goals where you're like, I want to be an astronaut or something. Um, it's, it's less clear. In that, this economy? <laughs> that there's limitations. But, like, I, I think it's maybe a little unrealistic to be like, I'm going to go to Pluto this year on a rocket ship. Yeah, I, I don't.
0: NASA th- just touched the sun.
1: Yeah. What? What? NASA just
0: touched the sun. Why? Because they were like, we're trying to figure out how it was made because they only have theories about it. And so just like they did with the moon, they decided they were going to go and get as close to the sun as possible. And then they that was their goal for 2021. I take it back. I'm sorry, NASA.
1: That was your smart goal. It's achievable. (laughs) It's specific. It's measurable. We touched the sun. Great. Glad for you. Um, But yeah, like it needs to be something that's actually realistic to an extent. It needs to be relevant as well. It needs to be reasonable. It needs to be resourced. It needs to be results-based. It should somehow tie to like things that you care about. Um, some people will look at lists of other people's goals and steal stuff. And unless other people's goals like actually align with your interests, I don't feel that's a useful thing. The important thing is your goals should actually matter to you. Because if they matter to you and align with your other life interests, it's going to be easier for you to make time for them, and you're going to care about accomplishing them more. You know, if someone else wants you to lose 100 pounds, you're not going to care as much as if you personally want to lose that weight. If someone else wants you to be a better partner, it's not going to matter as much as you wanting to be a better partner, right? So it needs to be something you actually care about. And finally, it needs to be time-bound. It needs to be time-based, time-limited, time-cost-limited, time-sensitive. It needs to be something where not only do you know what the final outcome is, as in it's measurable, but also you need to know when you're going to have achieved that final outcome. You know, by May 31st, I'm going to have a draft of my book done. By December 31st, I'm going to have given $100,000 to charity, right? Like, these are specifically time-bound things. Now, if you set yourself... Too intense of a time limit, maybe you're not making it realistic. So, all five of these do have to interplay. And they need to be specific,
0: the durable, same
1: achievable, <laughs> relevant, and time bound. If you cut out any of them, it's not going to be as effective. Um, there has been the argument that the SMART acronym is too limited. And so, some people have proposed you change it to SMARTER, including evaluated and reviewed. And so, by that, You should get someone else to evaluate you on a consistent basis and see whether or not you're reaching your goals because maybe your brain's going to start saying after a while, well, you know, you're not going to the gym as much, but you're making such great progress. Maybe you don't need to, and then, you know, you slowly stop going, and then at the end of the year, you're nowhere near where you wanted to be. Um, get someone else who can, you know, give you feedback consistently. And I think that's really important if you want to achieve goals too, is letting other people know. So you kind of have that commitment already made in public. There's some pressure there. And then finally review to have someone else, you know, assess whether or not you've reached the goals you wanted to reach at the end of the year. Don't do it yourself or do do it yourself. If you know you're embarrassed and don't <laughs> want to discuss this stuff with people, but you it said does doo-doo. help. Thank you, Naomi. It does help if, um, you, you're looking at those goals with another person to kind of objectively determine, one, did you structure your goals properly? And maybe that was one of the problems why you didn't achieve them. And then two, how can you better structure them and benchmark them moving forward if you still care about achieving them? Does that all make sense?
0: Yeah, um, I actually learned about the CDC SMART objectives in one of my classes this semester um, when it was we were talking about um, community health evaluations. mm mm-hmm. And so um, just interesting that you're putting this into into goals. Um, It was that was interesting.
1: Yeah, but I think what's helpful here is while it was initially introduced as a management tool, this can definitely apply to your personal life and it can definitely apply to relationships. Yeah, it's not something that's limited by, you know, the context of business. It's like uh, crucial conversations. While it was designed for workplaces, um, it, it, it can work just as well in your personal life as well. So with that in mind, Naomi, I want to talk about our personal goals for the year. And I wonder Ooh. if you have any of them.
0: Okay. Well, I didn't really have any goals going to this, this year. <laughs> um, I'm going to talk to you about This will about be quick that. then. No, going into like 2021, oh, I didn't have okay. any goals. Survive. I was just like, yeah, survive. <laughs> Raw dog life. Um, no, I think the only goal that I like definitely did have was I wanted to read more. Nice. So, um,
1: what a bad goal. How many books? How, how many yeah, books it, of I year?
0: learned this year <laughs> that it was a bad goal. Um, that was, I, I think I like to make vague goals so that if I don't achieve them, I'm kind of just like, okay.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: um, anyways, so a few of my goals for this year is some professional goals of mine is I'm still like in my, I'm in, currently in my third year. I'm halfway through my third year at ASU. Um, out of four.
1: Three, to, three out of 10. <laughs>
0: three out of 10, yeah. God. Why would you say that? <laughs> Only good vibes in the universe. Only good vibes in the universe. Um, Out of three out of four years. So I'm going into my spring semester next semester, obviously. So um, I'm re- uh, interning on a research project project. So I'm actually like figuring that out right now. I'm in the process of, you know, getting the emails and the meetings and the stuff figured out. Of course. Um. I also want to intern at a community health center this year um, and keep my GPA high. Um, I did keep my GPA high this semester. What's high? Do I have to go into specifics?
1: Uh, You don't, but I would say if you want to set a realistic goal, actually apply a number there.
0: I will be graduating cum laude. Wait, what are the, what's magna? Is that like, 3.9 3.9 and above?
1: I don't remember. This is not something I cared about.
0: Okay. Well, I will be – I at least be cum laude.
1: Look, the thing I cared about, which has has <laughs> decreased in intensity in my mind over time but still, like, bothers me. I don't know if I ever told you this. Mm. I was on pretty good terms with some of the teachers in my school. And two of Wait, them – Wait, are we talking
0: about ASU or high school?
1: School sustainability. Okay. When I was at, okay. Uh, okay. Yeah, at ASU. Okay. And I was told by two of them and then a third person with knowledge of the events that in the end of the year conversations, I had been brought up on a list of like the top five candidates for valedictorian. What? And one person said I was in the top three. And the person who did get valedictorian, great guy, but I'm like, so close. (laughs) (laughs) Ah."
0: Well, it's one last speech you had to write.
1: Um, You should have just, yeah. yeah. I do not envy the people who have to somehow say things other than platitudes on stage
0: you should have just pulled a Kanye at the VMAs and taken the microphone away I'm gonna let you
1: finish (laughs) but first I think I should have won this (laughs) year for my album my twisted dark Joel fantasies (laughs) um yeah so uh I don't remember what any of the GPAs were cum laude that's fine community health. I, I think they, they need people. That's that's really good. But um, the reason I care about your grades is I want you to get the best gosh darn internship there is. I um, want you paid $30 an hour. I'm
0: thinking about doing an internship out of DC because I'm interested in policy work. So uh, that's that's also um, something that I'm looking into. But I, I, the reason why I want to keep my GPA high is because um, I'm planning on applying to master's programs in Ooh. the next year so that's that's so stressful
1: so so i'm looking at these and i'm thinking you want to read more how many books do you want to read what's what's a reasonable? No, no,
0: no 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 that was my goal for this year 2021 so we're just cutting out reading entirely
1: <laughs> yeah, reading oh, gone <laughs> okay well um what would you say is a high gpa 3.2 3.4
0: no mine's like a 3.8 right now
1: i'm proud of you thank you oh wow okay thank yeah you. keep keep it at a 3.8 that's yeah. good and then when you say you want to apply to masters programs are you trying to get into these programs it's <laughs> just I want to get in. Okay. <laughs>
0: Just to No. So I, I would I say to, to
1: that, like, set some sort of goal. Like yeah. How many applications are you going to try to get in? And then, you know, is there, like, one top school do you really, really want to get in?
0: 52. One for every week of this year.
1: Excellent. <laughs> this next year. Loving that interview.
0: Um, so... I'm start like like I mentioned, a like I guess this was a couple of months ago now. Um, I'm going to be applying to a couple of schools in London because that's like my first choice. Like anywhere in London, basically, it's a one year program, public health. Why are you my
1: disdain for London as well? Well recorded. Yeah, it's not a great city.
0: All I'm going to say is that I want to be based out of Europe and London has really good public health schools
1: um i thought you're gonna say it has really good insurance
0: <laughs> <laughs> that too
1: <laughs> um i don't know if that's true about london now it's no longer part of the eu
0: oh i forgot about that yeah this
1: is gonna be a weird time for you so maybe st- stop looking at london and look at germany or greece. spain or greece
0: yeah oh greece rome
1: ooh. oh okay Thank anyways
0: you. so um that was those are like professional goals. That was my professional goals category. Um, More personal goals. So I feel like in past relationships that I kind of like have pushed the other person to be the best person that they can be and not allowing them like – the room to, like, try to be their own, like, best person, if that makes sense. Because, like, I see their potential and I'm like, okay, I can, like, give you suggestions on how to be the best person. And that can become toxic. That can if, become stressful. Yeah, it's stressful. It can become toxic because if the other person doesn't want to change, if the other person doesn't want to, like, um, be the best version of themselves, if they're good where they are, um, it can, which Joel just said, uh, always be changing. Never be stagnant. ABC. Yeah. <laughs> um, So that can become really stressful and I feel like in my last relationship the other person didn't want to change and I like they didn't think that this is kind of hard to explain I feel like the other person didn't think that changing was possible as fast as change is possible. So like if one week I was like, I really like gummy bears. And the next week I said like, oh, I really like sour gummy worms. They'd be like, stick to something. And That's keep a contradiction. It. <laughs> yeah. basically, You can't like two
1: things. Everyone gets one thing they like.
0: Exactly. And it's like, I feel like I, I'm not changing like so freaking rapidly, but I do change pretty often. Like you're constantly changing into a new version of yourself. It's kind of like um, a new season of a, like a, I don't oh, know. What
1: uh, do you keep going? I don't a know. New where this season analogy is going. Like a
0: season of uh, like a TV show, okay? So it's like season one, season two, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, anyways, that's how I feel. So, like, I need a new cast, I need a new <laughs> well, no, I mean, I costumes, think, stuff well, like that.
1: Yeah, that, that kind of happens, and I think is one of the reasons a lot of TV shows go down in quality over time. You know, once you've reached multiple seasons. They try to repeat the same things people like the original series for. And this is a phrase used in TV writing called Flanderization. Like Ned Flanders in The Simpsons, who was originally like this kind of innocuous guy who was a pretty, you know, pious Christian and, you know, loved his family and all of that. And over time, every single season, he got like more intensely religious and like more and more grating, getting on people's nerves. And in the same way, you know, a lot of The Simpsons characters changed that way over time and became like the worst characteristics of themselves amplified when you're going on, got 30 seasons now. Like, it's going to be difficult to have meaningful growth when like these people are stuck in time and like. The, the fact is you can t- turn on any episode and, you know, see the same things you've grown to enjoy. You know, Marge going, huh, homie? And, 33. Oh, boy. <laughs> and Homer, you know, enjoying food and Bart doing mischief and all ah. that jazz. Um, on the other hand, you know, as much as I, like, give crap to the Marvel films, I think one of the things they've gotten slightly better at in, like, the recent years is they're playing a little bit more of their formula, right? Like, the first couple of Marvel movies in the first five years were pretty rote. It's like, oh no, the bad guy's an evil version of the good guy. He <laughs> has to learn a lesson about friendship. Scooby Doo? Yes, uh, Scooby-Doo meets the, the, the Iron Man. <laughs> that was my favorite Marvel movie. But, but you see my point, right? Like they, they stuck to a very basic formula. Yeah. And I, I think one thing they've done, even though they kind of have trimmed down some of the more interesting plot elements, is they're going off in different directions and really playing with narrative structure in some of their more recent films. And I don't think it's always worked, um, but I, I, I admire the fact that they're at least attempting it because they recognize they need to change their formula to appeal to more people um so yeah personal goals
0: well basically what I was trying to say is that like I don't like to make personal goals going into a new year like specifically personal relationship like romantic relationship goals because I feel like if I don't achieve those goals like you know how some women go into the year that is so sexist that I just said that oh my god (laughs) okay I just caught myself you know how some people go into a year and they're like I'm gonna get engaged this year
1: I wasn't aware that was a goal and boy, that seems toxic.
0: (laughs) Well, and they're like not even in a relationship come January 1st. (sighs) Yeah. So, um, I don't want to be one of those people so my main goal for my personal relationships this year specifically friends um is that I would like to find more good people I think it's incredibly important to like surround yourself with supportive uplifting vibey people and I think I need more of that in the new year I think that because of COVID and taking away literally over a year of like my college career and like learning online it was really hard for me to find those new connections that you're supposed to find in college and so now I'm just trying to create like a bigger net work of people and ensure that like I'm surrounding myself with good quality people.
1: I'm trying to find the name of it, but you're reminding me when you said like some people start the year trying to get engaged. Yeah. There's like an Owen Wilson film coming out soon. No.
0: Have you seen that Is trailer? he still making films? I didn't even know. He I was, don't
1: hate him as an actor. I, I love him in like, Wes Anderson stuff. He
0: was good in like Marley and me. <laughs> it was like
1: it. <laughs> uh, well, I'm trying to find the film. I don't know when it's going to be released. Oh my god, there it is. Okay, it's Universal Pictures Marry Me. No. And the premise of the film is this famous singer is going to get engaged to her boyfriend live on stage in front of millions of people, but oh, my God, the night of this performance, it's discovered he's been cheating on her with her assistant. And so Owen Wilson is in the crowd at this performance, and she decides she's going to marry a random person in the crowd and picks Owen Wilson instead. Naomi, the reason I bring that up is we need to watch (laughs) and review this movie and get super drunk while doing it.
0: Okay, I agree with this plan, but I do think that um, Owen Wilson is Owen Wilson in every film. Wow. But two.
1: Marley and me?
0: but two why have we have you told me about this plot before why do i know this plot
1: i don't know is this like
0: every single like disney movie ever though
1: well it's it's certainly interesting it's a twist on the
0: interesting
1: (laughs) okay we're both are very bad at impressions (laughs) let's not push our luck (laughs)
0: OK, anyways, to finish up what I was saying, um, I feel like in the past I tried to pressure a lot of like personal relationships when I make goals. And so now I like just try to collect good people when it comes to romantic relationships. I'm good. I-, I am going.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Certainly, Governor, I'm going to that. Did
0: not we literally just say
1: no what street? What street? Read all about it. And only <laughs> sucks at relationships.
0: That's why I had to I had to psych in relationships for this podcast to
1: work. This is true. Without horrible, tra- long-lasting trauma, we would not be here.
0: Oh, my God. I need therapy. <laughs> so I am going good company. Tuppence for your thoughts. <laughs>
1: uh.
0: Oh, my God.
1: Should we just cut all this out? But,
0: no, keep it in. <laughs> but i'm not married to the idea of being in a relationship anytime soon so i think it's important that i'm like fully healed from my last relationship obviously i literally just aired out my dirty laundry so p u <laughs> So obviously I want to like be fully healed before entering my next one. I think I found many ways to heal, one of them being therapy, another one like taking time for myself and not like pressuring romantic relationships with another person yet. I have to admit that I have been spending time with someone, but it feels more of like a healing relationship than anything else right now. I feel like it's helped me a lot and ensured like a mutual healing because this person's also going through something really similar, right now.
1: Deep breath. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Great. I'm glad to hear that. Um, yeah, I, I, I think th- those are all important things. I, I think it would be helpful to, I, I don't want to put pressure on you, but I, I think in terms of like romantic relationships, it might be helpful to set yourself some goals. You know, if you feel uncomfortable doing certain things with a partner, maybe you consider progress to be getting to the point where you actually feel comfortable doing
0: those, well, things. those aren't Well, those, like, those aren't like New Year's resolutions. Those are just overall life goals right now.
1: And you can do that too. We don't have to say these are only New Year's resolutions. Oh my god, I'm crazy. We don't have to we don't have to air this out of the podcast. <laughs> I, I agree with you though. Um, I, I cut this out of the episode outline, but one of the things I was gonna talk about was the concept of impossible lists, which is a concept I stumbled across in, I don't know, 2013, 2014 when I started college. But a bunch of bloggers were getting into this at the time. And the idea was you set yourself realistic but, like, hard goals. And then once you achieve them, you set yourself a slightly more intense version of that goal. Mm-hmm. And the idea was you would always be improving and trying to reach higher and higher levels of, like, success within a certain thing. And, like, it's, it sounds as though it's, like, a very Silicon Valley survival of the fittest kind of mentality. Well, but it in can apply 2014,
0: to it probably made a lot more sense. Now we kind well, of look back maybe. and we're just like, oh my God.
1: Well, I mean, the example the guy was giving was like, you know, I want to run a mile. I want to run three miles. I want to run six miles. Yeah. And, then, you know, I think last time I checked, he was like up to a half uh, Ironman. Um, it, uh, but again it was slowly improving upon himself not expecting it's all kind of like a, he reached that it's stuff. kind
0: of like a pyramid so you have like your base and then you like
1: build yeah, yeah until yeah. you get to your final goal um, for really me personally that's manifested in the number of books I read each year oh a couple of years ago I was reading like 25 books a year and, yeah. I, and the, this year alone I've gotten up to 40 so like I keep trying to spend more time allocate more time if you wonder what Joel does media? in
0: his like spare time he just reads books like he sits on our couch and he either naps or reads a book.
1: Sometimes both. <laughs> if you put your head on the book as a pillow, you absorb it through osmosis. Yeah, That's something exactly. you know. L- readers who don't read a lot won't know. Um, so, I mean, you're good with your goals. Yeah. I think those are all important things. We'll, we'll work on them a little. Um, uh, so for last year, um, I had a couple of general goals, some of which I was successful at more than others, some of which I wasn't. Um, I, I would have liked to diet a bit more, um, have more days when I was, you know, not eating carbohydrates. I had a bunch of days when I wasn't eating sugar, but that kind of fell off pretty quickly because there's, I don't know
0: why you're taking all the fun things things. out of life because like carbohydrates make life fun.
1: Um, I would say partially like I'm slightly above what I would consider a, a healthier weight. Um, and I'd like to, you know, get closer to that, especially because when I was super young, I was a cartouffle and our very, very overweight pediatrician oh, said, hey, you're fat. It like was such a me. scary experience yeah. for him.
0: He talks about it to this day. God, that was like, what, 10 years ago? He was like 350 pounds, too. Like, no, he was a very large man.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, whatever. Um, he I, was very nice, though. He was? Oh, certainly. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. yes, those those sort of things uh, leave an impression they on stick with impressionable you. minds. Yeah. Um, I wanted to read a bunch of books. I got up to 40. Uh, if anyone's interested, I can talk about some of those that I uh, enjoyed a lot that I did not. Um, I wanted to get better at like fermenting and preserving stuff. I don't know why. It's just something that appealed to me. And so I did a lot of pepper mashes and kimchi and tapaches and sodas. Literally our entire
0: fridge is fermented stuff.
1: Top right shelf mostly. Okay, bottom shelf has the uh pickled red onions the cabbage kimchi and the radish kimchi so maybe you're not too crazy yeah yeah i
0: live here it's crazy
1: um, I wanted to grow mushrooms. That's something I've always wanted to do. You did that. I bought, yeah, a thing at a farmer's market. There's a guy who goes around farmer's markets in Phoenix and sells mushroom grow kits. We
0: should go to more farmer's markets. Is that a goal? That's a goal. We
1: could set a goal. Yeah. That seems like a realistic goal. Jot it down somewhere. Okay. Um, a big thing for me this year was securing permanent transportation. I did plan for that at the beginning of the year. And what I was kind of envisioning was getting like a sexy electric Vespa. Um, I don't
0: think sexy that's like an oxymoron.
1: Well, I was pretty committed to the idea. I, I needed something to expand like my range range of travel because like of biking <laughs> everywhere is not the best for really doing anything. Um that doesn't involve your immediate vicinity, you know, given that work and shopping is so close, it makes things easy. But yeah, if say I wanna go to a protest downtown or I wanna go see Sedona, it's much harder.
0: I feel so- like we have a good walkability score. On our house,
1: that we're living. in. Yeah, in this area at least. But again, you know, Phoenix is pretty (laughs) spread out. Yeah, um, that's very true. My initial idea again was motorcycles, little scooters. I started shopping around, and those things are expensive. You're talking out like five to seven k for a Vespa. That's about what I paid for my car. My it's like twelve five seat Nissan Leaf
0: Harley, like a used Harley.
1: Yeah, I wasn't looking for. Do they even sell electric Harley's? Wasn't looking for a normal fuel. fuel Next year, probably. Yeah, so I managed to secure permanent transportation. I fermented, you know, the amount of food I wanted to ferment. I definitely improved my Spanish and German skills. I finished all of Duolingo. Um, I actually, before my vacation, had gotten up to 750 days straight in Duolingo. Um, If someone asked me to speak Spanish, I'm going to be very bad. But my um, translation skills were greatly enhanced, and I'm happy for that. Favorite. I will not say if you want to learn a language, Duolingo is really good for vocabulary. I don't think it's good for spoken. You're probably going to need to find like actual classes for that, or just someone who speaks the language you can have casual conversations with. Uh, and then finally, last thing I, I wanted to do um, that I was able to achieve was I did product labels for a while. I wanted that to that was
0: so cute, like
1: little branded labels with my face yeah. and Bean's face on them to put on baked goods or candles or soaps or whatever that I made, and I finally did that. And they turned out really cute. It was like vintage, old-timey, like patent medicine style. And I have been sticking them on things, and I will continue sticking them on things. Um, it was lots of fun. Three things I did not get to, however, is I really wanted to get to doing a handstand. I don't know. It appealed me. I have to
0: me. never seen you do a handstand.
1: Well, that's the thing. I didn't practice it. Oh, uh, okay. I need to go into the, the, the gym's uh, s- side room and spend more time attempting to balance on my arms. Uh, so yeah, I never got around to that. I would say it was not a specific goal because I wasn't setting myself like practice sessions and being like, I will have practiced fifteen times, <laughs> and whatever. Um, I've had several ideas for books rattling around my brain for a while, and I never got around to finishing outlines for either of those this year, which was a goal. And then I had some fitness goals, like you know, certain bench press PRs that I didn't reach. But you know what? I survived the year. I'm perfectly happy with that, and it's given me impetus for moving into 2022. Uh, 2022, I've set myself, I think, a couple more specific ones. I'd like to lose some weight, get close to my goal weight, like to visit the gym or do some exercise at least a hundred times throughout the year. I want to make vinegar. I had some really, really good vinegar when I was abroad, and I want to start doing that at home. It seems like a weird thing, but vinegar is basically just spoiled wine, so it's easier than you think.
0: Spilled wine.
1: Spoiled (laughs) wine. It's like kombucha without the flavor. Yeah. Well, the sweet flavor. Yeah. Um... I want to do more soap making and canning in preparation for the apocalypse. Um, I did a trip last year, and I'd like to do something else. Maybe not as big, but just getting out of Arizona, seeing the world. Um, I saw Venice before it's completely flooded. Maybe I need to do a bucket list of other places yeah. around the world that are going to be decimated by We should by do, like, change. flight
0: alerts. You know how you can do that? Like, on, like you can set up like destinations That's and then, then there's like idea. a very low rate you but then it's kind of like you kind of just have to get in your car and go to the airport kind of thing
1: you know i spent some time in hawaii and i could i could go back to hawaii they do direct flights from arizona these days
0: put mom in your suitcase she'll love you. i believe
1: the cheapest time of year is february
0: interesting
1: food for thought it's coming up Food for thought. um it's time to get a bidet naomi we're gonna we're gonna reach this goal are you just got you don't why? like why you've never wanted a bidet no hmm Maybe this is too much to share on a podcast. <laughs> um, I want to do some pull-ups, read some books, visit Monument Valley, um, drafts up some stuff, um, clean all the books off my table, having read them all, and uh, get really good at tarot readings. Um, yeah, just some general stuff. I have more specific outlines. That was the stuff I you know, figured I was worth sharing. Um, but then I talked to Lauren about things that <laughs> we wanted to do. The conversation was prompted when she was scrolling through my phone and saw one of my lists that had goals on it. And all she saw when she was scrolling through it was drive a boat. (laughs) And she was like, I want to do that. So we're going to go find boats somewhere and drive boats around.
0: Oh, probably like, like
1: Pleasant, like Powell.
0: Yeah, I think maybe even Canyon.
1: Yeah, I mean, Timby Town Lake has, like, kayaks. That's not the same. No. I want the, the power of a, of a car yeah. motor propelling me through the water. Okay,
0: idea, Hawaii.
1: Oh, don't tempt me. <laughs> That'd be cool. Um, we both agree that it would be good if we had more conversations about different aspects of the relationships. Um, we've, we've had awkward conversations before, and uh, I think we're pretty good at it, but there's still a lot more I'd like to know about her. And then finally getting good at sushi. Um, oh my God. I, I used to work at a sushi restaurant and I was pretty good in industrial sushi production, yeah. but doing it at home with a non-industrial rice maker and less than stellar ingredients might be a little harder, but yeah, I want to get good at making good sushi rice and rolling sushi again and making good vegetarian sushi, which is important because so much vegetarian sushi absolutely sucks. That's something we're going to work
0: on. This is all code for he wants to roll a couple joints. He just wants (laughs) to learn how to roll some good joints. (laughs)
1: Um, I don't know if you saw this on Twitter, but someone was posting like a mathematician's guide to food classifications. And so they had like a cube. And depending on what colors of the cube are painted, that indicates like the type of food it is. So if the bottom of the cube is painted only, that's like a two-dimensional food. And so that's always going to be toast. And if the the top and the bottoms are painted but nothing else in the middle, it's going to be a sandwich. And if the top and two sides are painted, it's a hot dog. And so it was a way of classifying stuff. But per this classification, sushi, which is four sides of the cube painted, is, you know, any food that's contained within four sides. So joints are all sushi. (laughs) Um, yeah, so we've set ourselves some goals. Um, I, again, I think it's important to go out and do some stuff that's exciting. I have not formally discussed some of the things I want to do with her, um, because I want, again, some degree of excitement, even if she's listening to this podcast episode. But yes, we, we are attempting to broaden our horizons and do things we're not accustomed to. Now for our listeners who I'm sure are listening cause they want to get people either improve their own relationships or, um, get into a relationship. I did stumble across an article that I think we'll finish out on, which is um, from eHarmony, discussing which hobbies make you more attractive to the opposite sex. Um, and unfortunately, if your only goal is getting a relationship, this is probably some some data that would interest you. Uh, I think you should only take these up if it actually genuinely interests you, because most of the time you'll start doing this thing and be like, I don't actually care for it. Uh, but yeah, there's some some actual research done on the, Things mentioned in people's dating profiles that will make it more likely people will message them. Naomi, do you have any guesses before we get into this article?
0: Oh, so many hobbies. Um, I know that politics is a big thing when it comes oh, to... Oh, God, No. No, no, no. Like, I don't
1: want to date someone who's always talking about politics. I want someone who's informed, but not that's like what I mean. a hobby is politics. No,
0: no, no, not hobby. It's just like inform. I'm naming things that are like okay. common. Uh, politics, Um, dogs. Is that a hobby? Uh, I'm naming things that okay, okay. people are attracted to on profiles. Um,
1: Dick pics? Obviously.
0: Oh, no. yeah. I don't think you can post those like on Probably not. your dating app. Okay, not those are my guesses. Those are my guesses. Okay. okay.
1: So, according to eHarmony's article from December 24th of 2018, we are almost three years away from that, by the editorial team of eHarmony, they looked at literally millions of communications between their members and then tried to find correlations in the interests mentioned on their dating profiles to come to some interesting conclusions. They say, quote, Women want a well-traveled fitness fanatic who loves the theater, while men desire a cosmopolitan photographer with a passion for exercise. We've examined millions of communication between eHarmony members and found that men who listed traveling, exercise, theater, dancing, and cooking receive most interactions from women online. Outdoor interests, politics, pets, photography, and watching sport make up the remainder of the top 10 most attractive interests. For women... Exercise is the most desirable pastime, followed by photography, travel, art and dance. Politics ranked at number six, followed by outdoors interests at seven, cooking at eight, and learning and music at number nine and ten, respectively.
0: I wonder if I like change my like um my interests to something like these, like specifically nothing like I, I would say two out of maybe mm-hmm. what up five of these interest me, right? If I just, those were my interests, see how many matches I got, like on Bumble or something.
1: I don't know. I'd say it's worth a try. And there's not enough, like, scientific assessments of, you know, how to do better in dating, yeah. I think. Um, so, yeah, they looked at this. Um. I thought it was a little disappointing that men were most attracted to women who said they liked to exercise. Though women, was yeah. only second behind traveling for men. So, clearly, everyone's... um deeply judgmental of the opposite. Well, sex. the
0: thing is that like, I understand, like I have a lot of friends that are my age that like are super into like going to the gym and stuff. Mm-hmm. But then there's also the people that are into the gym, but don't go to the gym.
1: I get that. It's easy to list things. On yeah. Your profile. It's yeah. easier to list it on a profile than it is yeah. to actually follow up. Um, so yeah, most attractive interest for men to list on their profile. These are the things that make it more likely people will message you. Number one is travel, and then exercise, theater, dancing, cooking, outdoor interests, politics, pets, photography, and, quote, watching sport. For women, the most attractive things that would get men to comment on their profiles, exercise, photography, traveling, art, dancing, politics, outdoor interests, cooking, learning, and music. Um, so yeah, exercise being high up, that disappointed me. Traveling being pretty high up on both lists. I think it's kind of shorthand for, look, you have a, a open-mindedness. You're, you're more likely to go around and embrace new experiences with a cosmopolitan mindset. That'd be my guess at least. Um, one thing I thought was interesting was a lot of women will say they don't like guys posting fitness pics, like you know, shirtless photos yeah. on their profiles, but they also really like exercise. So I guess the insinuation here is, I want to see like, you playing rugby with your bros on your profile, yeah. but I don't want you to like, be taking shirtless photos. Because shirtless photos, I think, like, imply straightforward, I want to smash right? Yeah. And I think like playing rugby with the bros is probably a better reflection. that yeah. Oh, I do things. I have a social circle. I'm a, a physically energetic.
0: I would agree stuff. with that. I'm trying to find like a good, like I'm trying to figure out a good medium for that because obviously like you don't want a picture of them in the gym, but then you can't I have necessarily a, I have an answer for you. Go ahead.
1: Okay. If you scroll a little bit further down, it says the most attractive exercises were also analyzed for men. The most attractive exercise you can do is rugby followed by tennis, swimming, football, and military boot camp. Uh, for women, the most attractive thing they can do is football, followed by swimming, football military, boot camp, my- rugby, and running. Um, I'm not sure about football. It might be because men like football. Alternatively, it's a great opportunity to see women tackle each other. I don't know if that's something that appeals to male interests. I imagine it might. Um, I would want to see, like,
0: porn preferences based <laughs> off of states uh, and then compare it to this. That would
1: be interesting. <laughs> Uh, Yeah, but uh, again, if you're trying to figure out, you know, what are things women want to see? Well, it doesn't seem like they're interested too much in fitness photos. If you like working out at the gym, um, I I would say, you know, get a photo, get one of your friends to take a photo of you like swimming in a lake or something, or, you know, playing tennis, like just a casual tennis match. Uh, Maybe, you know, play a touch football with your nephews at Thanksgiving. Something that, you know, makes it clear that you do these things that isn't in, like, a gated environment that, you know, is designed solely to be more attractive to the opposite sex. That's my suggestion, at least. Maybe someone has a different interpretation. Um, So, yeah. Living 10% and working 11% abroad were both shown to boost levels of attractiveness. One in five Brits agree that the ability to speak another language adds allure as well. Uh, As well as the most attractive interests, the research reveals that pastimes deemed less, also reveals the pastimes deemed less desirable. The women, like men who like the theater, it doesn't hold the same appeal for the opposite sex, who place this pastime among the bottom-rated interests. Women who list, quote, making a difference, were also shown to receive 15% less communications from men online.
0: I don't like that.
1: Um... Yeah, I I don't know if this is the the most um, valuable of surveys, but I would be interested of that how like putting I support BLM or you know I'm marching for abortion rights this weekend yeah. impacts you know your your dating scores. Um, on one hand, I personally find it attractive when people are out doing things that they care about and like putting their their money where their political or philosophical beliefs are. Um, On the other hand, if a lot of men who tend to lean more conservative than women um, oppose these activities, they may find it a turnoff. As well as the most attractive interests, research revealed... Oh, sorry, I read that already. From a female perspective, men who describe going out with friends as a favorite way to spend their free time receive a 14% decrease in communications from women. Boys, Saturdays should not be for you. (laughs) Interestingly, the same rule doesn't apply for women, with social activity appearing as the seventh most attractive interest in the eyes of men. So, um, yeah, I'm not sure why women are so firmly opposed to men going out with friends. I think maybe it indicates you don't like to do anything but drinking.
0: No, I think that for me, at least like if they're like, if I add you on social media or something after we've talked on a dating app and all I see you do is like going clubbing or something. And like, you don't really seem like you seem like you always are in a social circle and you don't really have a lot of time, like for yourself, if that makes sense. Like Hmm. you're not spending a night, like just watching TV or something, um that's when I'm just like okay like I would rather because for me particularly like I would rather spend a night in than I would out Mm -hmm. so I think it just depends on the person but that's my perspective on it
1: yeah Uh, One last thing, the mention of hobbies more generally was also shown to impact interactions between singles online. The total number of hobbies and interests listed by men has a stronger effect on page views and invites, indicating it's beneficial for them to feature six or more hobbies. The converse is true for women, revealing that more than four listed hobbies can make them less appealing for men. That I found was interesting. So So the more
0: variation you have in your hobbies, the less attractive you are.
1: To, uh, for women. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would guess almost women are looking for a guy who's interesting, who does a lot of like exciting stuff, and guys might be looking for women who don't have a social life and can spend a lot of time with them. Yeah. That's my immediate guess. There's other interpretations, but... That's the thing that jumps out at me. Um, unfortunately, then Harmony gets into this weird, like, evolutionary psychology discussion of what men are looking for in women, which gets kind of gross. Men look for women and will be the healthy and attractive partner to pass along their genetics. Ew. Which will create the best possible offspring.
0: You sound like that one. That's why from... we're
1: attracted to good looks. We want to ensure the offspring will be <laughs> healthy and attractive as well. You sound I want like my baby that... to be so hot. I want my baby to be the most attractive baby in the world. In the world. You
0: sound like that one kid, the annoying kid from Jimmy Neutron.
1: Uh, I don't remember which one, Carl.: Yeah, oh okay. Yeah. When men see that a woman is Stop. interested in exercise, food, dancing, and family, <laughs> it suggests that she will be able to physically carry the offspring.: Yeah, uh, great, thanks, E Harmony. There's a reason no one uses your service. Anymore. <laughs> So yeah, um, that's how I wanted to finish this up. Uh, Again, if you are trying to pick up hobbies in the coming year to make yourself more attractive or make yourself more interesting for your current partner, um, those are the things we would suggest. Uh, Again, don't do it if you're just doing it for the simple purpose of smashing. Do it because you actually care about those things because I think those those are fun hobbies. Those are things you can have a lot of enjoyment with. Life's too short to do things simply for the bang, as the kids say.
0: So uh, just to finish up the episode, we do have some fun episodes coming next year. Uh, We have a list going right now. We have a lot of guests planned. So we're going to be talking about dating with disabilities, dating in other countries, dating in busy cities, dating in small towns.
1: Um, Real life, true experiences. We're going to share it all. We're going to have tough talks with people from the streets. Be real and intense. The
0: streets of Tempe, yeah. The streets
1: of Redlands, California.
0: Ooh. Yeah.
1: So we're excited. I think we we are definitely going to be introducing a bit more variety into our show to prevent it from stagnating in the coming years, because we take our own advice, believe it or not. We do. Yeah, shocking. We
0: do look at analytics. We do uh, also uh, want to make sure that our um, content is is good for, we're not just making it for ourselves to listen to. So, um, wow. Well.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I think this is probably going to be dropping soon. Um, I don't know. We'll probably make an appeal on social media as well, um, but we would like to get over a thousand total views on our podcast before the end of this year, December twenty twenty one. If you could download a couple of episodes, help our metrics up, that'd be greatly appreciated. Even if you don't listen to them immediately, we we would like to see a little more engagement. Just so in the first uh, nine months of our existence, seven months of our existence. We set ourselves some arbitrary goals and we'd like to reach them. Um, and if, if you can support us by leaving a review, leaving a, 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 a really anything in response to the work we do, we greatly appreciate it. That helps us reach more people.
0: We are over 950 right now. So uh,
1: please help us out. We're so close. We <laughs> love you. Thanks so much for listening. We Have hope a great you week. enjoy your holidays, whether you celebrate Kwanzaa, Christmas, um, Hanukkah, Candle Nights, um, Joel's birthday, whatever. Joel's birthday. Christmas celebration. Um, do it well. Be safe, but eat, drink, and be merry. Thanks for the use of our theme music, which is the song Drop by Ketza. You can find more of their music online at ketsa.uk. You can also find Date These Guys online on Twitter and Instagram at Date These Guys or visit DateTheseGuys.org. If you have questions for the podcast or want to be a wealthy sugar parent, send an email to date these guys at gmail.com. If you're looking to make an impact in the world, this show strongly recommends Planned Parenthood, a nonprofit organization that provides reproductive health care in the United States. Planned Parenthood provides birth control. Long-acting reversible contraceptive implants, clinical breast examinations, pregnancy screenings, prenatal care, testing and treatment for sexually transmitted infections, and abortions. They also do great work for those who are lower income. Four-fifths of their clients are at or below 50% of the federal poverty line. Both Joel and Naomi are monthly donors to Planned Parenthood. We hope you will be, too.